Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from Jesus.podbeam.com. His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life. He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. five of his premises, on about five of his premises, with no rent and all that. But when the church meets then, they go and litter the place, then they will call me. Hey, your branch at Ringway, when they drink, I say, ah, so why are you calling me, my mother? Why are you calling me? Because it's your church. I say, ah, but you are also in the church. It was their branch, Ringway. When they come downstairs, they are in church. <laughs> then they will call me. The one in Takradi Central, they don't turn off the lights. I said, look, look, come and give me stress. Go and see the pastor. <laughs> you know? That my father always said that he's a lighthouse member. And he told all his relatives who came to visit him, I'm a lighthouse member. And I'm in the Methodist church as well. So, <laughs> For him, he had two. Do our citizenship. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, this evening will be brief because we've been here for a while. And um, I just want to talk about certain things that we must consider. You know, God has been speaking to me about consider, that we need to consider so many things. And I was surprised that the Bible also tells us so many things that we ought to consider. That really surprised me. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that, like David said, when I consider the work of your hands, then I ask myself, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the reason why some people don't know that they are not anything is because they don't consider to compare themselves to God's creation, to see that they don't even measure up. So when you consider, it makes you more sensible, it gives you a certain wisdom from above, and it makes you survive and prevail through many things. The Bible also says, there are many verses, if a man is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself also, lest thou also be tempted. So there also, you have come into a problem, somebody has had a problem, but the Bible says in dealing with it, consider yourself. The Bible also says that consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. But most of the time, we don't consider one another. We are thinking about the church, our work, but not one another, not the people who make up the church. There's no consideration for that. And so we don't get to where we should get to. But if we were to consider one another, that you 
You are this way because you are some way, but because you are some way, I'll find a way of how to love some way people. So I will not provoke you to jealousy or to anger, but to love and to good works. If we considered one another, we would consider whether you are male or female, even in the context of marriage. If you are provoking a man to love and good works, it's different. If you are provoking a woman to love and good works, it's different. You see, but we never consider one another to provoke. And that is another sermon that will come as we go along. Amen. The Bible also says, consider the work of God. Who can make straight that which the Lord has made crooked? And my husband has said to me many times that, do I know that God doesn't make anything straight? The shoreline is not straight. Trees are not straight. Plants are not straight. The sky is not straight. But it's man who has come and invented a ruler. And said that everything should be like this. But in God's creation, nothing is straight. And that is why sometimes in your marriage, the person you have married, God has made him then you have made it your life's commitment to make him straight. That which the Lord has made this way. How can you make it straight? That is for tomorrow. The Bible also says that we should consider the lilies. How they grow. They don't toil. They don't sow. They don't have bands, yet Lord, the Lord looks after them. It says, consider the ravens. But tonight, I want us to consider the chastening of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5. Amen. Are we there? Are we there? I hope so. <laughs> Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. We have to consider in our hearts because in the church of God, we are not always bold to really say what is in our hearts. And that is why the Bible says a man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Sometimes man will give you a pat on the back. But God knows that the heart with which you did what you did was not the best. So the Bible admonishes us to consider in our hearts that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. To chasten is to discipline, to correct. To change your direction because God thinks it's not the best for you. But whether we can accept that it is children who are chastened is also a challenge to us. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 3, the Lord, verse 11, the Lord says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Amen. It means that one of the temptations when you are chastised is to despise the chastisement or the chastening. And in the church of God now, you cannot correct anybody. You cannot chasten anybody. If you correct me, I'll leave the church. 
If you correct me, I'll stop coming. If you correct me, I will not receive it. And therefore, we are no longer children, but bastards. That is what the Bible says. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Are you there? (laughs) Don't worry, I'm also not there. We'll read from verse 3. There's also another consideration married with the two in there. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Verse 11. Now, No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Amen. Amen. Now, from all this long thing that we have read, the Bible is saying that if we are to endure, we have to consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest we be tired, wearied, and faint in our minds. We don't usually consider Jesus. We just think, oh, he was a child of God. He was divine. He was supernatural. But he became a man. And went through the sufferings that you and I go through. And the Bible says that when you are considering him, consider him because he endured such contradiction of sinners. What was that contradiction? On the first day when he preached in the temple, the Bible says the people marveled at the words that came out of his mouth. And they said, hey, by what authority does this man speak? They were shocked. But after that, they took him to the brow of a hill and wanted to throw him down. Just after a powerful sermon. They have said, you are great. Your sermon was wonderful. At the same time, a few minutes after, the same people want to throw you down headlong. The Bible says he just passed through the crowd and left. After feeding the 5,000, everybody left him. Sometimes you are with a crowd. You feel that, oh, I have a large crowd. We are moving. But at a point, everybody left him and only the 12 were left. And he asked them, will you also go away? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? You are the one who is our life. We have nowhere else to go. Only 12. And even the 12, he knew that he stood the risk of losing them. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. He will heal. And the people will be very excited. 
And they'll say, wow, you are a great man. You are this. But on the day of his crucifixion, the Bible says that everybody agreed that he should be crucified, including those he had healed. If you don't consider him enduring such contradiction, you may not last in your walk with God because there will be so much contradiction. Sometimes you pray and the expectations that you have for your prayers don't happen. It's a contradiction. Rather, the opposite happens. Sometimes when you are praying about something, the harder you pray, the worse it gets. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. When he was in the garden, he had been talking about his death. I'm going to Jerusalem, the son of man. The temple will be destroyed in three days. It will be rebuilt. This will happen. So, and he said, I came for this purpose. For this hour did I come. And Peter had rebuked him. Don't go. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. But when he got to the garden, he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass. So sometimes the will to do God's will is in your heart. But when it comes to your humanity and your humanness, something gives. But he didn't give in to the contradiction. He endured it. It's a contradiction because you are telling us you are going to die. Peter says, don't go. You say he's Satan. You rebuke him. Now you go to the garden and you are saying that the, the cup, if it's possible, let it pass. Meanwhile, you have said that for this reason came I, the son of man, came to seek and to save the lost. The son of man did this. So even Jesus, he rebuked Peter. And then now you go to the garden and you say, God, you know something? If we can renegotiate this contract. I will really be grateful. Consider him who endured such contradiction. If you want to last in the ministry, you will see a lot of contradictions. Amen? The person whose marriage you help to build is the next candidate who wants to break yours. Consider him. The people you spend the most time with are the most ungrateful. Consider him. The people you love the most, when it turns into hatred, the hatred is also at another level. And if you look at that, you will never love people again. You know, sometimes I've had certain experiences that people have called me or sent a message, can you love again? Can you trust again? Can you be close to people again? But I realize that if you allow that to affect you, your life is destroyed. And the person who is gone is living his life. For what purpose is that? So it's a contradiction, but you have to rise up above that and still believe God for the grace to walk in love. Otherwise, when you see everybody, everybody is a devil. Everybody is a Judas. Everybody, but there were 12. One was Judas, the 11 were not. Consider him who endured such contradiction. Sometimes, you know, in the world, you think you've seen, what? Sin, stabbing in the back and all that. And then you become born again. You say, oh, I've joined the saints. When you join the saints, you realize that the church of God, they don't stab with knives. They stab with daggers. You say, what? Am I in the church or I'm somewhere else? What a shock. My husband will say that. When my wife, she doesn't shock. I don't know why. And when I was going to announce about Jerusalem one of the Sundays, uh, Bishop Saki said uh, he wouldn't give me the mic unless I shocked. So I said, what a shock. Then he was laughing. He said, there's no power in it. But consider him who endured such contradiction. Sometimes you endure contradiction because you may be going through your own go-throughs and you may be ministering the word. And then people look at, oh, she's very alright. She's certainly not in pain. In fact, she's superhuman. 
It's a contradiction that we are enduring. And the grace that God gives. Consider him. Sometimes an unbeliever rather is praying for something. And God seems to be answering. And you, you have served God all your life. No husband. No baby. No breakthrough. No orange card. It's a contradiction. You look at it and say, hey, does God really? The Bible says, consider him who endured. If you are able to, co- to endure contradiction in your Christian walk, then you are becoming more Christ-like. Because the bottom line is that God is sovereign. And if you could understand him, then he will not be God. He will be one of you. Or one of us. If you can figure him out, then he's not God. He's human. But because he's God, he says, my ways are not your ways. And sometimes when we quote, he says, my ways are not your ways. And then my thoughts, he doesn't say that. He says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your, your own. It's not mine. My ways are not your ways. But your thoughts to the way you think. That's not how I God, I think. Consider him. Who endured such contradiction? Sometimes, you know, like I was saying, you feel that in the church of God, you know, people have come to me weep. You say, when I was not a Christian even, people did not talk about me like this. When I was not a Christian, people were not so envious. But rather in the church of God, Lady Reverend, can you believe it? The church of God. I said, yes, the church of God. Yes. The church of God is not yet perfect. And that is why it is when Christ comes that we shall be without spot and without wrinkle. But till he comes, we are a work in progress. And you should expect disappointments in the church of God. You should expect pain in the church of God. And so when it happens, don't be so sure. Hey, how? It happened to Jesus. Who would you think you are? Christian surprises you there. You are greater than Jesus. You are not. Jesus even ate with Judas, gave him a special muscle and steel. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And what does the Bible say? It says, lest you be wearied because you can get tired. Peter talks about being wearied through manifold temptations. When the issues are a lot, this is happening, this is happening, this is, you get weary. And then you begin to faint. You know, fainting starts from your thinking. And Peter says, lest you faint in your minds. Hey, J, uh, Hebrews. Lest you faint in your minds. So you can grow weary when you see the contradictions. Today this, tomorrow that, today this. Tomorrow. And then some people say, I'm going back to where I came from, if this is the church of God. But you contributed to what we are. You also brought your baggage. It's not that you are some perfect person who joined us. You, you, actually, you compounded our problem. And we also find you equally complex to live with. And we have also been accommodating you. So when you rise up and say you are going because whatever, we get surprised because... Since you came, the problems have become more, actually. (laughs) Consider him who endured such contradictions. You see, when I was a younger pastor's wife, any time people I was close to, my husband was close to, would leave the church or say things, hey, I won't sleep well. I'll be by my bed. Oh, God. (laughs) It's so painful. Why? And then when I wake up in the morning, I'll hear more things. Hey, is it possible? How are we going to get through this? What will people think? It's not true. But, you know, I can't also look for a radio station to say it's not true. (laughs) What am I going to do? But as I've grown older, no. I just look and I say, Lord, 
Whatever the criticism is, if there's anything you want to teach us through this, Amen. let us see it. I, 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 I said recently on radio that even if there's a problem, 100% problem, and your contribution is only 2%, it's still a contribution. So own up to that contribution and allow the Holy Ghost to help you to work on that contribution. And the rest of the 98, leave it to God to sort out. But if I was looking at some of these things, I don't think there will be any branches. Or if Bishop were looking at any of them, you say, hey, and that is why some pastors, when we meet them in Korea, all over the world, they don't expand because they say that people do painful things. People hurt. You see, my associate did this from that day. I decided no more branches. And so we are being led more by our hurts, more by our experiences, and more by our pain. But if we will consider him, we will see that he endured. He endured the contradictions. Sometimes we, greet, we meet great men of God, and they have tears in their eyes. And they tell us, my, my son came to me and told me, Daddy, I don't believe in God anymore. And the pastors will say, I've used all my life to preach. I've been all over the world preaching salvation. I brought up my child in the fear of God, but somehow he has become an atheist. Not even a nominal Christian, but an atheist. But they keep preaching. Because your experiences are not the word of God. The word of God cannot be broken. But we cannot use our experiences as God's word. God's word is superior to our experiences. And all we can do is to pray and entrust them to God. But sometimes when you meet the older pastors, even like Dr. Cho, he has a son every day, jail, out of jail, in jail. Sometimes we will go and when he came to Ghana, his son was in jail. He was enjoying the contradiction. And when Bishop asked Reverend Oko then to sing, God would take care of you. There were tears in his eyes. Because as he was in between sessions, he would be talking to the lawyers. How is he in jail? How? What? The last time we were in Korea, this same son, the wife, the third wife he has married, had committed suicide by hanging. And we were in a banquet, and Dr. Cho was going to preach after that. So, so many times, we also as church members don't know the contradictions that are going on in lives. But the ability to endure that contradiction will keep you and help you to obey God. And you must expect those contradictions in your life. Some of you, you thought that you were marrying a saint by marrying a Christian. What a shock. You thought that you were entering a trouble-free life by marrying a man who loves God. But life... The, 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 the days of life of man are full of trouble. The Bible says. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not few. Many. So when my husband, my father was telling us, this happened, this happened, this happened, that verse came to my mind. Hey, many are the afflictions of the But the Lord delivered him from them all. All. Every single one of them. The Lord delivered him, but he endured the contradictions. See, so you see great men of God say, oh, Dr. Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, but what has made him get there is the ability to endure the contradictions. But you, when you endure contradiction in your small Christian life, you know, I'm, I'm now going to see a malam. It's true. And like the drama showed us, I don't know if we even get into the chastening part. <laughs> like the drama showed us. I believe in the prophetic. I believe that it's one of the fivefold gifts. I believe that God uses that, but it has been misused. <laughs> A lady came to me and told me she, she was having problems in marriage. I'd been going through with her. And then she came to tell me that somebody had called her from the UK and showed her some prophetess to go and see. 
A person told her that that prophetess will bring you great breakthrough. So she went. And when she came back, she called me. That, hmm, hey, the prophetess has revealed so much to me. I said, glory to God. That is God's gift. What did the prophetess say? The prophetess, when she saw me, the first thing she said is, you have really suffered in your marriage. I said, ah, but who hasn't? You have really suffered in your marriage. The Lord knows that you have been very unhappy. Hey, says mom, the thing she took, I said, and so what? So, you know, I see you as a tree, as a, a flower. When you decide to go, you blossom. When you decide to stay in the marriage, you shrivel. So, Sister Mommy, now I don't think I can make it at all. I think this prophetess has revealed to me that. I mean, I'm surprised that she saw that when I stay in it, I shrivel. Because that's how I really feel. So, I asked her, what verse, what scripture did the prophetess base her prophecy on? Because the word of God cannot contradict itself. And I asked her, have you asked her about the fact that God says, what God has put together, let no man put us. Did you ask her about all that? She said, I asked her about what, about what the Bible says. So what did she say? She said, me, I'm just sharing with you what I've seen. <laughs> I have not purported to share any verse with you. I've, I'm just telling you what the Lord has revealed. So I asked her, so this prophetess, is she married? Oh, she gave me a very powerful testimony. I said, that what? That you know, she was married before, but the marriage was hindering God's call on her life. And since she put it aside, she has been flying in the ministry. I said, this prophetess, does she have children? I said, yes, she has six children. And she said that she just looks after them. I said, huh? So her testimony has encouraged you. Not so. So you are coming to tell me that you are going away. I said, I know that it's difficult. I know the situations. I mentioned some of the situations. But I said, but what is God saying? And also the testimony the person is giving you, that her marriage was a hindrance. Since she put it aside, she has blossomed. And so you too, when you put it aside, you will blossom. So that your ministry has been sat upon. You are a tree where birds must come and eat. But as soon as you stay in the marriage, the tree shrivels. But when you blossom, I see many birds. Many birds. I told her, well, I don't think this is of God. Because it's not based on scripture. And also even the person's life story that she's giving you. To me, I don't see whatever. Yeah. So what should I do? I said, obey the word. I can't say, do this, do this. I can just tell you what God's word says and obey the word. And do you know, as she stayed, not many days hence, she blossomed. She blossomed. Everything has turned around. And even her ministry, she's flying. The ability to endure contradictions. If you can't endure contradictions, you cannot marry. Amen. You cannot believe that this man who said for better, for worse. When things become difficult, he also becomes very human. Amen, ladies. You must be able to, like uh, uh, Reverend Flesher was saying, you have a letter from your director. It's bad news. But in the midst of it, you are still serving God. That shows me that you have matured. But when you have a marital problem, you don't come to church. When you have a small marital problem, oh, lady, Reverend, he didn't pick the children up, whatever. You are angry for the rest of the... You, you can't flow in anything. 
Even prayer, I can't pray. Even my Bible, like, why should somebody control your life like that? How can you fly? Consider him. Sometimes you may not be so happy about your partner or with your partner or what he's doing. But the ability to endure that contradiction and still walk in love puts you on another level. You see, I preached a sermon in London. And that sermon is my husband who gave me the topic. 25 reasons why some women don't get married or marry late. Lady, Lady Pastor BM, do you have copies of that? And it was a long session. So I thought that covered all the 25. But when the next day I got down from the stage and then Lady Pastor BM was telling me, oh, mommy, you covered only 16. So there are nine more to be preached. <laughs> but some of the reasons why some people don't marry when they should. They can't endure the contradiction. You see, the man is anointed and all that, but he has body order. <laughs> it's a contradiction. <laughs> but it can be worked on. Consider him. That endured such contradiction of sinners, lest you grow weary and faint in your minds. Amen. So, for those of us who are not married yet, in fact, it was in three parts. 25 reasons why some women don't marry. Some marry late, and some are not contented in their marriages. But I didn't even get to the third part. Amen. <laughs> and he says, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And have you forgotten the exhortation, which speaks unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked. From whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. Amen. It means that some of the effects of chastening or correction is that you, some of the things you, the attitude you can have is that you can despise chastening. Correction. And you despise it by saying, was it necessary? It was overdone. You have to treat me that way. Do you have to correct everything? Do you have to say it? Don't say it. Even if something is not right, don't say it. Even if something is not good, you, I mean, you despise that it wasn't necessary because it has to do with you. And that is exactly what the Bible says we should not do. It says, consider in thine heart that whom the Lord loves, as a father chastens his son, so the Lord chasteneth us. Amen. So don't despise chastening. Sometimes, growing up as a teenager, my mother would be saying certain things. Do this. Why? She used to say, initiative. You see, sometimes, <laughs> she will go to town, and she won't tell you what you are eating today. So we'll also be happy. In the morning, we've eaten. Lunchtime, we all don't have work, because you have not told us what we are eating. Then when she comes, <laughs> it will become an issue. Initiative. Even when you have not been told what you are eating, you look around, you find what you can make, whether corn beef stew or whatever. I mean, think about it, that when we come, what will we eat? Initiative, every time. <laughs> you know, and sometimes, when you are despised, and when you are chasing, you despise it. And make your face, and then you'll be standing there. Mm. I mean, if you didn't give us anything, you don't say, because when you say, you're, the things that will visit you, My eldest son told me, hey, mommy, I have a friend in America in med school, and we are always a very good friend. They went to the same high school, and we are always comparing notes. So his friend called him. He's called Kwesi and said, that, hey, David, do you know we never knew that we were abused, though? We've been knocked and things. Uh... 
Since I came to this country, they call it abuse. In Africa, it's called chastening, discipline. So he came to tell me that, hey, we should actually file a lawsuit. I said, about what? We've been abused, but we didn't know. Hey, mommy, it's not just Noxo. There's even verbal abuse, emotional abuse. I said, so how were you abused emotionally? I said, oh, when you raise your voice, I get emotionally, emotionally disturbed. But some of the discipline and the chastening, you may call abuse, but it was done in love. I agree that some people go overboard, kill their children, whatever, but put children in ovens, yeah. When I first came to America, a lady did that. A Ghanaian lady put two little stepchildren in the oven. Yeah, in the Bronx, yeah. So those things do happen. But when you are corrected, you despise it in your heart. You are angry. You have a face, you know. And in my house, sometimes they'll say, hey, why are you crying? When we haven't touched you, you are crying. Come, let me beat you so that when you cry, I will understand it. You haven't endured and you are despising the chastening. But now in adulthood, the despisement is in our hearts. Do you see? So even in the church, you are going to marry an unbeliever, we shouldn't say it. You've gone out of order, we shouldn't say it. And when we say it, we should not discipline you. We should just point out to you that this thing that you did, it wasn't right. But we shouldn't say, you, move here, you. Don't preach here again. You, don't preach this way. We shouldn't correct it because you would despise the chastening. You feel that you don't need it. And that's for you, you are okay. But to move with God, you have to learn not to despise when God corrects you. Amen. And it is those who can take correction that go far in their walk with God. But you, you are don't touch, don't say, don't speak. How can we go forward with that? The Bible also says, don't be weary when you are rebuked. Because maybe you are not changing quickly. You get tired. Eh? Every day when I preach a sermon, they say this. You see, we used to have board meetings. You know, Lighthouse, we believe that the spirit of the house must be the same. So when God gives a word to the bishop, like, I think, was this year the one declared the year of reading? Yeah. We have to read God's word, read more literature, and become whatever. And then you decide that. It's the year of what? Prophecy. <laughs> it is not that what you are saying is not scripture. But your timing is wrong. And then when we call you and correct, say, eh, they are against the prophetic. They don't like uh, uh, visions. They don't like... Other. It is a despisement of what is being... We are trying to correct in your life. Do you know how many times I have been corrected in Lighthouse? Don't do this this way. Change it. Change your dates. Change this. If it were you, you would have left long ago. Amen. But it's the shifting and the changing and the, all that. That makes us arrive at a certain place. Because when you cannot change, you are weary. Every time they say this, every time they say, eh, why? But even my husband can tell me, Mommy, I think you should preach to ladies why they don't get married or they marry late. Because I believe that God blesses a lot of women. And a lot of women meet so many guys. But because of a certain way of thinking, we just miss out on what God is doing. And so the reasons are there. Some of them... One of the reasons is because we don't think that the flower of our age will pass. We think that we'll remain flowers forever. But you may remain a flower forever, but the ones who can pluck have grown older. Yes. Flower. And in spite of all the messages, still, there are people in the church who come and tell me. I told somebody said his head is like a tin cut at the back. 
So she doesn't like him. I said, ah, but at least if you're opening your cans, it will be free. I preached about one sister in one of our daughter conventions this year. This year, in another country. And then she went to buy the tips. She was very angry, very upset. She said that when I listened, I saw the story is me. Then I said, hey, but that's my pastoral work. I don't mention names, but people can relate to what I'm saying. She was very upset. So when I arrived in Ghana, I saw that. She was very close to me, but she had become distant. I said, ah. When I call her, she doesn't come. I had a meeting that concerned her. I said, why were you not in the meeting? Oh, nothing. <laughs> What's going on? Then I mentioned it to my office staff, and they said, oh, because she's upset about whatever. So I called her. I said, come. <laughs> You're upset that what? Is it that the things I said are not true? Uh, the way I was in it. It was too much. <laughs> it was too much. And I said, uh, but as you sit in the church, every day I am used as an example, then you'll be laughing, rolling over, sending me texts after, mommy, that was powerful. Hey, so how are you copying things? That one, it doesn't matter. But you, one example, you are dying. Then she softened up and she laughed. Mommy, I don't know how you do it because me... The small one, I can't. I said, uh, buckle up and endure. <laughs> and now, by the grace of God, the friendship is restored. Amen. But we hate chastening. She thought that because she's my friend, I wouldn't say, but I told her everything I've said in the preaching, I've said to you. It's not that I went to say, and then I said, I have said to you, to your face. Somebody's proposing to you, you say that, why does he call you at midnight? Ah, He's being romantic. He's calling, oh, are you asleep already? Whatever. Bang. Why does he call me at midnight? Hey. Then the person says, you know, please. So this tape, I will not wait for her to buy it. I will take it to her in Ghana. But we grow weary. Sometimes people have gone through so many failed relationships. And I think that as a pastor, I can't just sit there when I can see the reasons and just leave you to just fail and fail and fail. So I called and I said, look, like they said, in every example in the drama I have encountered before. And when that lady said, one minute after five, the person hasn't come or something hasn't happened. <laughs> I had that same example. When the beloved says he's coming, if he comes five after five, it's finished. Hey! He will be faced. And it won't be said. Bishop told me that, but this is your person. Can he marry? Can she marry? Because five minutes after, she's too uptight. So I called her. I said, that, you see, you, you live in a perfect world. And you have planned all your things. But life is not like that. And opposites also attract. So it is likely that you are going to get some sanguinous. <laughs> so you have to scale down, calm down. And I mean, just flow. You see, so that chastening, and it's the same sister that I was talking about that she, she got upset that, why have I gone, and even this example, I didn't use it. She has made me release more examples. <laughs> but we grow weary. But the reason why that part is always hit is because you don't change. You don't cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You just remain. You are just like Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But his own is for good. Yours is not. So don't grow weary when you are chastened. And it says that if you are chastened, then are you sons. But if not, then you are a bastard. If you belong to the church family, we cannot talk anything about your life. I have met people who say they, they, they stay with their beloveds, but nothing happens. I said, brother, then you are not on fire. You are in love with the person. You stay in the same room. She goes to bath and come and everything. And you say that nothing happens. I said, you know something? (laughs) 
I said, you know something? You may be arguing, nothing happens, this and that, but the Bible says, flee from all appearances of evil. So I'm just basing my counsel on that verse. Just flee. It's an appearance of evil. Uh, unto the pure, all things. Don't quote that. But at a point, you become a bastard. You don't belong to us anymore. We don't have that pastoral link to you anymore. You are not a child anymore. You are something else. So we leave you. till so God himself sorts you out. You know, and some people will come and tell me, Lady Reverend, I went, you know, five years ago, do you remember you counseled me? I don't remember. Beatings and things have brought me back. I said, the beatings of the word did not change you. Now God gave you Mike Tyson. <laughs> to beat you into subjection. The Bible says, he whom the Lord loves, he chastens. If you love somebody, you don't want the person to go wayward, especially your children. So you correct them. And I always tell people, look, it's easier to just keep quiet and look at you. Is it not work to be calling you, come? So why are you doing this? Stop it. Look, the scripture says, is it not easier to just look? (laughs) How are you? Fine. Oh, great. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Less pastoral work. Less driving. Less visitation. Less tonsillitis. Talking, talking, talking. Less stress. But if you are a son, if you are somebody who is loved, you will have to be chastened. You have to be corrected. You have to be shown the way. So we have to develop the right spirits towards that which comes. You may not always understand. There are things my father did I never understood. But now I appreciate him for it. And I thank God that his mind was not my mind. You see, every year in the Methodist church, they do what they call harvest. And they have this bottle of um, glass of water that they sell. They call it living water. Nkwensu. And I would just have asked my father for a new pair of play decks. Those are some sandals. My father would say, go and bring the old one. When I bring, he said, ah. But the cobbler at UTC, he can mend this. Why do you want to buy a new pair? Now just be looking at the man in disbelief. This will be Saturday. Sunday we'll go to church. And then they'll bring this living water. The first thing they sell. And they'll say, give an offer. So all the people will be saying, thousand, two thousand, this. My father will be saying, three thousand to be going higher, higher, every year without fail. Then it will reach ten thousand, and then there will be nobody. Ten thousand. My father has said ten thousand. It has ended there. Ten thousand. Now, just be looking that my play deck is not even 10 CDs. You understand? But 10,000 is coming to. So, when I add up, it doesn't make sense. And then they'll be saying, go in, go in. They have a gavel. And then they hit it, gone. Then they'll take it to him and he'll drink it. And the priest will be saying, this is living water. It has been prayed over. Whoever drinks it will have good health, long life, and all that. Every year without fail, he bought that living water. It is when I grew up, God said to me, that has been a blessing to your father's life. And that blessing has affected you. But me, I was thinking about my play deck. Why should you look at my play deck and say it can be mended? Based on what? And then when you go to church, I see that ah, you have 10,000 times more than it will have cost you. But it was his wisdom. He felt that, no, you shouldn't think that Things just grow on trees. You just choose things. You just live. No. That's all. Sometimes the correction, you don't even understand it. It is later that you will understand it. And sometimes it's too late. I thank God that he lived long enough for me to become, what, wiser, less foolish. And then to also appreciate him for it. So this story, I've even said it in his presence. That daddy, on his 90th birthday, I said, that living water that you bought every year, It speaks volumes. That living water that you bought, I believe, has made you free of disease, sickness, whatever. You know? And even the way he went. Peace. Peace. His last word on this earth is amen. Some of us, we don't even know. We just, ah, ah, then it's gone. Living water. The Bible says that chastening yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Hebrews 12, verse 11. 
But one thing that the Bible says that is so true is that no chastening for the moment seemeth joyous. When you are being corrected, it is not joyous. The Bible does not mince words. And it doesn't pretend. It says that when you are going through it, brother, sister, it's not funny. And it's not, oh, let it happen. <laughs> yes, correction, bring it on. There's nothing like that. He said, no chastening whilst it is, and whilst you are enduring it, it does not seem joyous. But it is grievous when the process is going on. But afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Afterwards. Do not react when the chastening is going on. Don't take major decisions when you are being corrected. Don't take major decisions when you are going through the process that is grievous. Don't take life-changing decisions in that state. You are not normal. The Bible says it is afterwards that it yields the peaceable fruit. Take the decision afterwards. When you've gone through the process, when you have endured, when you are well, afterwards, because... As you are about to take any decision, it will coincide with the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And you will be blessed for that afterwards. The Bible says that chastening makes us partakers of his holiness. And then lastly, it says that when you are corrected, you can grow so weary that your hands will hang down. So the Bible says lift up the feeble hands that hang down. Lift up the weary hands that hang down. It is an effect of chastening. It makes you so weary, even your hands that you used to do the work, you just, they just begin to hang down. You are tired. You feel like giving up. You are discouraged. That is the effect of chastening, and we must expect it. It says, lift up those hands that hang down. And the feeble knees. And the feeble knees. And it also says that the lame leg, the lame leg makes straight paths for it, lest it be turned out of the way. Chastening makes your lame, gives you, you see, you can't walk properly. You are not normal anymore. Your walk is not normal. You are limping, but it is part of the chastening. When God met Jacob, he wrestled with him. He changed his name, but he also left with a limb. Because the chastening can sometimes give you a limb. But when you have that limb, you don't feel like walking anymore. You say, oh, I'm going off the road. I'm choosing another path. And the Bible says, no. Rather, begin to make straight paths for your feet. Lest the lame be turned out of the way. Before you know, the way you were walking, that's not, you'll be on another road. You'll laugh at me. What will everybody think about me? One of the greatest lies of the devil is about public opinion. Everybody knows. Everybody thinks you are very bad. Everybody has this idea about you. Then with that and your lame leg, you say, oh, then I can't walk on this path anymore. They all have bad minds about me. I better go and walk in another. But in those gravels, your lame leg will rather be turned out of the way. Expect a limp when you are being chastened. Expect lame legs when you are being corrected. Expect to be feeble when you are being corrected. And expect that your hands will hang down. But if you make straight paths for your feet, even in your lameness, say, I'm still going to go to church. I'm still going to go, to, I'm, I'm still going to flow. I'm still going to be open to correction and instruction. I'm still going to walk in the word. You are making straight paths for your feet. Before you know, your lame legs will be healed. And you will walk on the right road. But many times you don't expect that. So when you see the symptoms, you say, hey, this chastening is not a good thing. Look at the bad effects it has. I've grown weary. My knees are feeble. And my lame legs are wounded and about to be turned out of the way. It's not good for me, but it's good for you. It shows that you are actually going through a chastening period. And whom the Lord loves, the Lord 
chastings. I pray that you will consider in your heart that as a father chastens a son, so the Lord chastens those he loves. Chastening can come in different ways. Sometimes it's because of an error you have made. Sometimes it can be that you don't even know that it's an error. But God just knows that you need some correction. You need some rebuke. The church of God is not always going to give you just ice cream and lollipop. The Bible says preach the word in season and out of season. Rebuke, exhort, and reprove with all long-suffering and doctrine. So it's not only exhortation we are supposed to give you. We are supposed to reprove. We are supposed to rebuke you. And sometimes Paul said, rebuke them sharply. That they will not do it. He said, hey, is this a man of God? The way he spoke to me is in the Bible. He was rebuking you sharply. He didn't want to, but he had to obey the word. And so when those things happen, don't let it change our hearts. Don't let it change our attitudes. Sometimes people have been corrected and they have said to me, Lady Reverend, the punishment is too much. And it's not too much. Even by my human, what I said, it's not too much. You did this, 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 this. And presiding bishop has now said that. You should now do this, this, to take some steps to do. Now you are saying it's too much. I'm leaving. Then you are not subject to correction. Correction makes you just take off. Then something is wrong. Your lame legs have been turned out of the way. I pray that that will not be your portion. But that you will rather expect some chastening from the Lord. When it comes and you don't understand, consider him who endured such contradiction. And because he endured you and I will also endure. Stand to your feet. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.